One of the many things that the pandemic affected over the last number of months was weddings. That when it hit and we started to realize somewhere end of April, beginning of May, that this wasn't going away anytime soon, then couples that were supposed to get married this summer had to start making choices. What do we do? And at that point, we were limited to groups and gatherings of 15 people. And there was basically three different things that couples chose to do. One was some couples immediately delayed their wedding until 2021, saying, forget this, we're just waiting until all this goes away, and then we'll do it the way that we want to do it. Then other couples said, well, let's, let's try to push it. Well, we won't get married in the summer. We'll hope that come fall time, things will be different and we'll be able to, to do something better. And then there were other couples that went, who cares? We want to get married. doesn't matter what it looks like. We're getting married when we said we're getting married because we don't want to wait anymore. Maybe I'm being a little bit judgmental, but the ones who pushed it immediately to a year, I think was, we have an idea of what our wedding should look like. And because we can't have that, we're not going to get married. The ones who pushed it a few months down the line were kind of, well, we're willing to make some changes, but we're going to wait so we can come as close to what we want as we can. And then the ones who got married even back when it was limited to only 15 people present at their wedding was the most important thing for us is to be married. No, this isn't ideal. This isn't what it should be. But I want to marry this person. And I don't want to wait to do that. The wedding guests in today's parable kind of do the same thing. That the first group are the ones who receive the invitation and then don't want to come. They don't want to come now. They've got other things to worry about. Or they just don't want to deal with the king. The second is the man who shows up without the wedding garment. He comes, he's invited, he shows up, but he's not prepared. And the third are all those who are invited and who embrace the celebration of the wedding feast, the wedding banquet laid out by the king. See, the first group, it's actually even worse than it sounds. Because the custom, the Jewish custom for weddings, was there was actually two invitations. The first invitation was kind of like a save the date. So you would be told of the wedding coming and when that was going to take place, and you were to RSVP. But then when the date came closer, you would get a second invite telling you, okay, now things are ready. Come. And that's what we hear today. So all those that reject the invitation, they've already said yes to coming. But when the second invite comes, they go, nah, change my mind. I'd rather do something else. This is kind of like those who are baptized in our faith, but don't practice. They've accepted part of the invitation, but not the whole thing. They haven't accepted the invitation to live the Christian life. They've accepted the invitation of receiving the sacrament and of being formed in the image of Christ and being given that promise of eternal life, but they haven't accepted the invitation of living the Christian life. The second, with the one 
who doesn't come with the wedding garment, we don't really know what that was. But basically, everybody else, even though all of them were invited last minute, right? They were, the slaves went out in the streets and grabbed whoever was willing to come. Everybody else had their wedding garment. But this one person didn't. Kind of coming on their own terms. That I want to come. I want to feast. I want to get all the good things. But, eh, I'll do it my way. These are kind of us as Catholics that show up but are unwilling to repent of our own ways, to conform to what God is asking us to do in our life. And then they're the ones who come and embrace the feast of the King, embrace everything that God is laying out before us. Praise God, all of you here are the ones at the wedding banquet. So we don't have to worry about group one, that's not us. You know those people in your life. Some of them are in your immediate family. And that's a great sorrow. But you're here. You are at the wedding banquet. One of the images for heaven that are used over and over again, and that's the reason for the parable today, is the wedding banquet. One of the images for the mass, which is a foretaste of heaven, is a wedding banquet. We come every Sunday to the wedding banquet of the son of the king. You're here. Praise God. You've accepted the invitation. So, now we have to avoid being the one who shows up without the wedding garment. So what is that all about? Why is the outcome for the one who shows up without the wedding garment to be bound hand and foot and to be thrown into the outer darkness? Well, first, he comes. And the king addresses him as friend. And so there is a relationship between the king and this person. Friend. Not just, hey you, what are you doing here? He's not an uninvited guest. He's not an unwelcome person. He's a friend of the king. But then, when the king asks him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? What does he answer? Nothing. He doesn't say anything. And there's his error. If he would have given a reason, if he would have asked forgiveness, he would have been fine. The king is merciful. But when he's addressed and when he's confronted with, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, he stays silent. Which is kind of like in our penitential act, what I have failed to do. We think often about the sins that we have overtly committed. We know what those are. But what about the things that we've failed to do in our thoughts and in our words and in our actions that we say every Sunday? I can tell you one of, one of my sorrows as a priest is when I'm called to the bed of a dying person to come and bring them the sacraments, the last rites the sacrament of the sick, confession, and Holy Communion, viaticum. One of my great sorrows is that I always come and the sacraments are always an invitation. They're a gift offered. So I don't so sit, come in and say, hey, this is what we're doing. I go, we can do one of all three sacraments 
Sacrament of the sick, confession, Holy Communion. Sacrament of the sick, Holy Communion are never refused. Confession is often refused. People unwilling to confess, to repent at the end of their life. We don't want to be those people. Why? Because we are being invited to the wedding banquet of the king. We're being invited to this, and when you think about it, think about it in this way. If you are invited to somebody's house, do you show up and put your feet up on their coffee table and open up the fridge and start taking out what you want to eat because, ah, this is what we're going to have for supper? No, you show up to somebody's house invited and you start to pick up cues on what are their habits in their house. Do they wear shoes in the house or do they not wear shoes in the house? What is the feast that's being laid before me? I will eat what they put in front of me. I don't ask for other things. And then do they put coasters on their table or their non-coaster house? We follow the customs of the house because we are the invited guests. Our Christian life is the same thing. We are invited guests to the banquet of the king. And so are we willing to accept the customs, the requirements that the king has for us? When we come into God's house, do we come as invited guests or do we come looking for what we can take home with us? Even me as the priest, I am a steward of this house, which is the reason why when we come to celebrate Mass, I'm not supposed to do whatever I want. That's the prayer of the church. That's why that book is so important. I pray the prayer of the church. I don't pray Father Chris's prayer. I am coming to the house of the King in the same way as you are. Are we willing to go to that length? And St. Paul kind of gives us the key of what we're supposed to keep in our mind and our heart to wrestle with that because it's not easy. It doesn't, it's not straightforward. We're all tempted at one time or another to be one of those three categories of wedding couples over the summer. Sometimes we just don't want to do it. We'll wait until we can do it our way before we do it. Or... We're like the second group that compromises a little bit, that will do a little bit, but can't go all the way because that's a little bit too much. And sometimes we're the ones who embrace it wholeheartedly. But St. Paul today says in his letter to the Philippians, I've learned what it means to have little and to have plenty, but all for the glory of God. That whether I have little or I have lots, whether I have my way or not my way, whether I'm in the midst of good circumstances or bad circumstances, everything for the glory of God. What we remember, what we keep in our minds and our hearts is I live and I love God. And the circumstances that surround that don't have an impact on that relationship but we all let them. We all let the circumstances of our life sometimes dictate and impact our relationship with God. So we come back. We come back to the banquet and be reminded, this is why I'm here. Even when there's no music, even when the homily stinks, even when you can't hear or understand the prayers that are being prayed, why are you here? 
meet Christ, to hear his word, and to receive his sacrament. And we keep our eyes fixed on the glory of God.